Boy, it's great to see everybody on this beautiful Memorial Day weekend. It wasn't seeming like it was going to be so beautiful the last couple days, but man, this morning it's pretty nice out there, huh? Uh, now, we do have to clear something up, though, here. Uh, Jesse, you mentioned on June 12th we have this uh, fun in the park, right? And that's, uh, that's a Saturday. And so Jesse uh, said uh, we're having cornhole now, or bags. And then he tried to say that like bags is only where uh, what Chicagoans call it. But I just kind of think it's bags, period. So can we just kind of take a quick vote here? Who says it's bags? Raise your hands. Okay, Jesse, you got this? All right. And who says it's cornhole? Hmm. Okay, so bags it is. <laughs> Either way, whatever we're going to be playing, it's going to be those boxes that have a hole in it. You try to toss the beanbag in. Okay, all right. Either way. Oh, man. Anyway, it should be a lot of fun. June 12th, uh, mark on your calendar with more details to follow on that. You know, I came across a study that I found to be super interesting. And it's about people around the world who tend to live longer than anybody else. Uh, National Geographic conducted some research and found out that a group of people living in Sardinia, Italy, are among the longest living people on the planet. Has anybody here ever been to Sardinia? Am I, I hope I'm even saying it right. Anybody? Okay, nobody. But, I mean, look at this place. It's no wonder they live long, right? Beautiful beaches off the coast of Italy. I mean, you probably could go there and think you've already died and gone to heaven, all right? That's why you live there longer. You already think you're in eternity. Shoo. But I do think um, a lot of us probably tend to wonder from time to time, uh, what really is the key to longevity, right? I mean, what does it take to live a long and healthy life? And, and is there a group of people that would have the greatest chance? If you haven't thought of that, just give me a nod of the head. Let's just pretend that you have, okay? Would you nod with me? All right, okay, we've thought of this before. You know, and I wonder, is it vegetarians? I hope not. I mean, I don't eat a whole lot of meat, but I'm certainly not a vegetarian. Uh, is it gym rats? Any gym rats in the room? You got, yeah, we got a couple of gym rats in the room. Okay, you know, uh, this uh, woman right here, she's 83 years old, and she's deadlifting 150 pounds. I don't think I could deadlift 150 pounds right now myself. I know behind your masks, you're laughing at me. Of course you can't deadlift 150 pounds, Ferguson. All right, so maybe it's not vegetarians. Maybe it's not gym rats. But maybe it's uh, this person who figures, no, it's margaritas in the gym. That's what helps you live longer. I have no idea. But truthfully, it's not vegetarians. It's not gym rats. And it's not uh, people who drink margaritas in the gym. Research has found, check this out, okay, that it's not just people on Sardinia that live long. It's actually people who belong to a religious movement that takes Sabbath very seriously. They average 10 years longer living than the average American life expectancy of 79 years. The people that belong to this particular religious group, their average life expectancy is 10 years longer than the average American life expectancy of 79 years. Is that crazy? And the church these people belong to is started based in part on the importance of keeping what we're talking about today, and that's the Sabbath. Isn't that interesting? Uh, Dan Butner, author and traveler who start, studied this topic of longevity, says that 84% of dollars spent on health care are spent due to bad food choices, inactivity, and unmanaged stress. Bad food choices, inactivity, and unmanaged stress. 84% of healthcare dollars are spent on those three things. And this religious group has at least found a way to manage stress, and in part, it's through keeping the Sabbath. All right, hold on to that for a minute, okay? Because we're in week four, as Jesse said, of this series, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, based on uh, John Mark Comer's book by the same title. If you haven't picked up the book, uh, either the actual book itself or on Audible, just 
get that book. Very, very good book. Really good stuff. And um, something I find truly fascinating is that for many of us, in spite of the fact that most of us worked from home over the past year due to the pandemic, life didn't really slow down. At least it didn't really for me. I don't think we really eliminated hurry or stress. And I would say for many, life seemed even more hectic and busier maybe than ever before. And and, and here's the deal, okay? Busy itself is not bad. All right, busy itself is not bad. But there's a difference between a busy life that is full and a busy life that is hurried. There's a difference between a busy life that's full and a busy life that is hurried. And in this series, we've been exploring the difference between a life that is full and a life that is hurried. We've been looking at the difference between a life that is full and a life that is hurried. And we've offered some very practical ways to not only know the difference, but to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. A former USC uh, professor and author, Dallas Willard, once said, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. Think about that. Hurry. Of all the things he could have picked, he said, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. And the reality is that too many of us suffer from what he calls hurry sickness. Remember we talked about that a few weeks back? Hurry sickness. But the good news is this. Jesus offers us a better way. A different way. A countercultural way of living. And he talked about it like this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Say it out loud. Rest. I got to tell you, I love that word, rest. Again, I I just think it sounds kind of like the way it's supposed to feel. Rest. Take my yoke, take my way of living, my way of living and working, okay, upon you, and learn from me, Jesus says. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, okay, my yoke, The way life is supposed to be lived is easy and my burden is light. You see, if we hope to experience the life that Jesus really wants for us, how he designed us to live, then we got to start living the way Jesus lived. And that's why during this series we've been encouraging you to adopt a rule of life. A rule of life. And a rule of life is a, a schedule or set of practices that help you slow down and avoid getting sucked into the hurry and flurry of life. And you see, in your rule of life, you can put into practice something that God wove into the fabric of our very existence from day one, and it's called Sabbath. Sabbath. I'll tell you what, turn to somebody near you and just say that word, Sabbath. Yeah, Sabbath. Now, now Sabbath is a word that we don't commonly use, is it really? And I don't know about you, but if, you, if you've been around church, it may be a word that you uh, heard maybe at one time or another. But if that's not true about you, you might be wondering, well, what does the word Sabbath even mean? Well, the word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat. Shabbat. And you know what Shabbat means, literally? Some of you might know. Shabbat literally means to stop. To stop. The Sabbath is simply a day to stop. Stop working. Stop wanting. Stop worrying. You simply stop. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds kind of good, doesn't it? (laughs) Just stop. Um, when When I was a kid... We didn't really practice Sabbath, but for some reason, I still had this idea that Sabbath was very much of a have-to rather than a a get-to. Sabbath was a, I mean, it was a have-to, not a get-to. You know, much more of a burden than a benefit. Uh, It was almost like being put in time out. 
Did any of you growing up ever have to be put in time out? You know, where you're like, go in the corner, go into a room and be quiet. You guys are a lot better than me than I guess. Okay, Dan, a couple of people have been in time out. Sabbath to me was like this day-long time out. Why would I want anything to do with that, right? And you know what? It's interesting because the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they too turned the Sabbath into a have to rather than a get to into a a burden rather than a benefit. And Jesus said this in response to them. He said this. He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is meant to serve you, not necessarily you serve the Sabbath. And Jesus is saying, hey, the Sabbath is not just another command. It's not another thing you put on your to-do list. Sabbath is not something that God wants from us. Don't miss this. Sabbath is something God wants for us. That might be new news to you. You see, the Sabbath isn't something that God wants from us. It's actually something he wants for us. You see, Jesus invites us to Sabbath for our own good and for our own flourishing. And this idea of resting and stopping, it's been a part of God's plan from the very beginning of time. In the creation account, we read this right here. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested, there's that word, from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, blessed. Sabbath is supposed to be a blessing, not a burden. And he made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, I look at this, it kind of makes me wonder, you know, I mean, did, did God get to the end of those six days and go, whoo, man, I'm stressed out. That's a lot of work. I need a day off. You know, is God just like so overwhelmed by, by the task of creation that he just needed, you know, to take a day and get a break? I don't think so. But you see, from the very beginning, God was setting an example and establishing rhythms for us. A way of life that would include times when we work, but then also times when we rest. I mean, be be honest with yourself, okay? I mean, don't you often fly through life, I mean, just day after day, week after week, often without even taking a single moment to truly rest. And too often what happens is we do that month after month, year after year, And as a result, I know some of us are at the point of complete and utter exhaustion. I mean, have you you ever said this? Where did the week go? Anybody? I mean, where did the week go? Maybe even leading up to this weekend, did you say, oh my goodness, I can't believe it's Memorial Day already. And you know what's going to happen in about six weeks from now? You're going to go, oh my word, it's July 4th weekend, summer's half over. And then a, a few weeks after that, or maybe six weeks, you're going to say, oh my goodness, it's Labor Day, the summer's over, and there's going to be a little tear coming down your face, right? I mean, we do that. I mean, we often say, uh, time flies. Woo, time flies, don't we? And I kind of wonder if it saddens God just a little bit that something he so wanted for us has turned into something that his people thought he was taking from them. He gave us Sabbath for our own good. But we didn't see it that way, and so it ended up being something he had to command us to observe. I mean, this is what, the, what God told the people of Israel when he talked about Sabbath. All right, he said, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. All right, set it apart. That's what holy means, to be set apart. Give it, give it to God. 
Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Pretty, pretty all-inclusive there. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. There's that word blessed again. It's for our benefit. It's a good thing. I mean, just look to the extent to which God went to emphasize our need to rest. I mean, if you have kids or you're around kids much, you know, if you need to explain something to them clearly, you just like go into great detail, right? And when my kids were growing up, I could tell that I'd gone that far when they'd say something like, okay, I got it, Dad. Got it, Dad. You know, with just a twinge of teenage kind of smart eloquiness or whatever the word might be. Um, Something that some of us probably still have when we talk to our parents. Maybe not. I don't know. Well, this passage here, we find it in Exodus, and it's within the Ten Commandments. And while all the commandments are important, I mean, God puts extra emphasis on this one, right? You know, I mean, the other commandments are short and sweet, kind of straight to the point. Don't lie, don't steal, don't murder, right? But here God uses several verses to explain why practicing the Sabbath is so critical. And I think it's because God knew we would be susceptible to hurry sickness, And while all of the commands are important, God puts extra emphasis on this one. And I think he knew that we wouldn't get that this was for us and not something he wanted from us. And so he explains it in more detail than any other command. I mean, he goes so far to say, I don't even want your animals to work. And notice the first word in this section. What is it? What's that first word? Say it out loud. Yeah, remember. Remember. And and the word remember here is not just a mental exercise. It's actually a practice you put into place. Because God knew it wouldn't simply be enough to only remember the Sabbath. We would need to practice it. Make it a part of your rule of life. As I was thinking about this, it kind of made me think of my wedding anniversary. Uh, This is my wife, Lisa, over here. We've been married for over 30 years now. I mean, how do you think it would go over if next year on April 21st, on our wedding anniversary, okay, I made no plans for dinner, bought no cards, bought no flowers, made no plans at all, but I got up that morning, I looked her in the eye and said, hey, honey, I remembered it's our wedding anniversary. Isn't that awesome? It might be my last, right? <laughs> and so when God says, remember the Sabbath, he's, he's not saying, okay, just, just put it up here and remember it in your mind. No, he's saying, do it. And by resting on the Sabbath, see, Israel is not only following God's command, but actually following God's lead. They're doing what God himself did first. Theologian Walter Brueggemann puts it this way. He says, the Sabbath announces that the world is safely in God's hands. We think it's in ours. When we Sabbath, we're saying, no, God, you know what? I'm recognizing this is really up to you anyway. The world will not disintegrate if we stop our efforts. The world relies on God's promises and not on our own efforts. The observance of Sabbath rest is a break with every effort to achieve, to secure ourselves, and to make the world into our image according to our purposes. And the Sabbath is meant to be a rest. It's not something God wants from us. It's something God wants for us. But there's another aspect to Sabbath. You know, after what we just read in Exodus, in the book of Deuteronomy, if you go through the Old Testament, you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy, fifth book in the Old Testament. 
God adds another facet. Sabbath is rest, but Sabbath is also resistance. Sabbath is also resistance. And God says this in in Deuteronomy. He says, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. Now, that might not look that much different than, than what we read in Exodus, but the first word is different. Instead of remember, he says what? Observe, right, yeah, observe. But then that subtle change becomes much more significant if you read on. And here's what we find. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. See, where the Exodus command was grounded in the creation story of God working for six days, creating for six days, and then what? Taking a break on the Sabbath, taking that Sabbath on the seventh day. The Deuteronomy command here is grounded in Israel's exodus from slavery in Egypt. See, Sabbath was not only a rhythm of rest, it was actually a way for them to celebrate their freedom and to resist the old culture of slavery in Egypt. I mean, generations of Israelites have been enslaved in, in Egypt before God set them free. But they were so, check this out, they were so accustomed to living as slaves, they failed to recognize their new freedom. Now stay with me, okay? I wonder if we're not a lot like that. And when I talk about this, I'm talking about myself as much as I am anybody in this room. This is a struggle. I wonder if we're so used to the flurry of hurry, our addiction to activity, and our desire for more that we fail to recognize the freedom that we can find in rest and Sabbath. Sabbath is God's gift for us. And when we practice Sabbath, what we're doing is we're living as part of a resistance. A movement of Jesus' followers who are saying, okay, enough. Enough! (laughs) Right? Enough work, enough noise, enough activity. Right? We resist it, we give it to God, and we rest. Rest and resistance. Interesting. Interesting. So how do we practice it? Well, we asked some people from community to share their Sabbath practices with us, and uh, here's what we got. Enjoy this. Sabbath for me is about taking a deep breath. It's about spending a ton of time outside, uh, even taking my watch off, uh, unplugging for the day, uh, doing the things that give me so much joy and delight, like reading a good book or taking a nap. My Sabbath revolves around one question. At the end of the day, Did I invest in my relationship with God or my relationship with the world? Practically, maybe I take a walk in nature or I worship through song or spend time with family, but I always make sure to spend time in his word and spend time in prayer and solitude in order to grow my relationship with him through talking and listening to him. Today is Friday and today is the day that I take as my Sabbath day from Thursday night through Friday night. And this is a time where I used to disconnect, to pause, to really delight uh, in, in God. And one, one thing that I do is I take my long run day as, as part of my Sabbath. So today, that's what I'm about to do. It's going to be 12 miles, so please pray for me. But 
for me, it's a time to disconnect once again from the electronics, from social media, from a lot of a lot of those things that are good, but sometimes can be a distraction. My favorite thing to do on Sabbath is anything that's gonna let us delight and rest and have fun. We try to prepare our food in advance for Sabbath, like the day before or even a couple days before so we don't have to work. But we will cook on Sabbath if it's fun. We like to have competitions sometimes. Do you like cooking competitions? Yeah. You like being the judge for cooking Mom's gonna be the judge next for a competition. I just wanna put it out there. I won the chicken nugget one. So I'm pretty intentional to pick a day out of the week where I will Sabbath and it's different depending on the week. And it looks a lot like uh, just finding rest, sleeping in, uh, finding things that will give me joy and things that I will find delight in and saying no to the things that won't give me joy. During my Sabbath, I always love to spend time out in nature at a place like this the Morton Arboretum. I feel like God's presence is so near in his creation. I mean, just look at this place. No, I love the days that my Sabbath includes retreating to a quiet place in solitude. The reality is, is that our Sabbath usually looks like this. It's putting away our phones and emails and texts and work and really just embrace the mess and embrace the noise and embrace the love um, that I have for my family and that they have for me. It's all about experiencing these perfectly imperfect moments together. I love just how practical they got in telling you specifically, and it was different for everyone. But again, Sabbath is the day you give it to God and let, let him help you kind of create what that might look like for you. And, and I got to tell you, there's a reason I wasn't in that video. Um, I wish I could tell you that I'm incredibly disciplined at keeping Sabbath rest myself, but uh, truthfully, it's something I'm growing in. I did pretty good this week. I think you would admit, right, Friday, we did pretty good, didn't we, with our Sabbath? Um, but I'm a little bit addicted to um, activity, and almost always feel like I should be doing something about something. Anybody else? Mm, yeah. It, it's not easy. Um, and maybe you can relate and you find yourself in a season or where your schedule is jam-packed, your pace is relentless, and maybe rest isn't something that you often experience. But here's my challenge. My challenge would be for you to just start somewhere, all right? Start somewhere. Take baby steps. If it's not possible for you to take an entire day, take what you can. Maybe take four to six hours within a particular day and give that to God with the goal of eventually getting an entire day. And when you set that aside, okay, because the enemy doesn't want you to do this, all right? When you set this aside, remember, this is not something God wants from you. It's genuinely something he wants for you. I think it would be amazed at how much more God can do with one day than we can do with the rest of those six remaining days. In fact, when one day truly belongs to God, I think it would be amazed at how it impacts all the other seven. One scholar put it this way. He said, people who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently. And don't you gut, gut, deep down, don't you believe that in your gut? That people who keep the Sabbath, they probably have, a, it influences your entire week. Our Mondays would be different, right? Our Mondays, I know, would be different if we lived in the rhythm God designed for us. It's not one day, you know, that, that we give to God and the other six belong to us. No, that's not the way it works. When one day is, is set aside to focus on rest and on God, the other six days take a different shape. Remember, Jesus calls us to a counter-cultural way of living, a different pace. And he said it like this. He said, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. There's that word. Take my yoke. And again, when he says take my yoke, he's saying take my way of living and working. 
Take, take my way of living and working upon you. Learn from me, Jesus says, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, the way life is supposed to be lived, is easy and light. You know, I think Sabbath is a sort of specific set-aside grace to all of us that is really a reminder that in Jesus we find ultimate rest. We find ultimate grace. That he doesn't love us, couldn't love us anymore, any less than he does right now, no matter what we do, no matter how hard we work, no matter what we try to strive our way into. He says and said, you know, you come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you eternal rest. Thank you.